ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking, can-am soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd. How are you doing, buddy? Good, Jeremy. How about yourself? Oh, real good. Real good. We are, uh, dude, it's eight degrees Celsius outside. Like, we're having the most unbelievable weather. We should have, like, minus 20 by this time of year and, like, two feet of snow. But uh, this global warming is in our favor. <laughs> it's nice out. Yeah, and we've had our first freeze the last two days. Oh, really? Yeah, early. Way early. Huh. Huh. Way early. Weather's weird everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's almost easy. like it can't make up his mind. Yeah. Like it yeah. has since the dawn of time. Yeah, no kidding, eh? So what you been up to? Anything cool going on? Buy any knives, any guns, any trucks? No. Um, I've just been, uh, I don't know, sitting here hurting. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it's been a bad week. And then it was getting a little better. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, a little bit better. Wednesday, yeah, I'm out of here again. Ugh. Benny wanted to play, so I went to pick up his little toy and throw it. Yeah. Went to bend down and then fell down, and then I'm oh, laying there. Ah. That sucks. So Any, uh, I got to go see my doctor next week. Yeah. Like two of them. Three of them. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. I talked to uh, uh, my friendly neighborhood UPS driver. Because mm-hmm. he he used to work for another shipping company or agency, as it were. And he's like, yeah, used to like working for UPS. And it kind of sucks now because. They got people that don't want to come to work. They got hiring issues, people with driver's license issues. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. He said the the rate at which people, because they get, you know, like staff meetings or whatever, safety briefings, and they have, oh, you know, we have a rash of DUIs, (laughs) UPSY, not on job, but people who can't drive anymore because they got a DUI. I think that's what my package isn't getting here in time. Because they got, uh, uh, you know, too much time on their hands during the current situation, and they just sit home and drink hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, one guy that uh, here locally, he got a DUI. Had nothing to do with alcohol. He was on heroin. Oh, wow. I'm like, wow, he can drive on heroin? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He should become a race driver if he can drive under those conditions. Yeah, it's crazy, hey? Yeah. And it's just based on people who don't know what they should know before Mm -hmm. they start changing things like, yeah, so the U.S. Postal Service doesn't make a profit. It's a government agency. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been propped up by the taxpayers. 
that's the point of it being a government agency. You mm-hmm. know, that way it's not onerous to mail a bill in like it would be if you had to pay FedEx who charges yeah. you, I don't know, $50 for a letter. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, is, do you know who Redbeard Ops is? James Keaton? I've heard of them. Okay. Cool YouTuber. I like the guy. Um, he actually just did a uh, forging press and, uh, he's made this billet of Damascus and he wants to do a collaboration with me. So he's mailing it to me and I let him know. I said, we're in a crazy busy state. This is a busy time of year. But I said, you know, after Christmas was when I'd have time to get to it. So he, he was going to send it UPS and he's asking for my address. And I said, if there's any way I could, you know, encourage you not to use UPS. I said, USPS is great. And when we get UPS in, I don't know why, but they have their own special set of import fees that aren't government, right? Like I understand import, export, government, tariffs, all this stuff. Cool. Fine with that. You know, you can send something to me by USPS and I might have to pay on duty, you know, eight bucks or something, right? That same thing with UPS, I am not joking, would be $100 import fees. And there, there's like a small portion of it, less than a tenth of it would be government mandated. The rest of it is their own. I, I was working with a guy up in Alaska and he wanted to send me a vintage fishing reel. His hobby was collecting fishing reels and restoring them. And uh, we, we got along great and stuff and he really wanted to send it. I was like, I'm not a huge, I, I like fishing. I go fishing, but I'm not a, a big on fishing, right? He's like, no, no, I'll send it to you. And I, I think he was from Virginia. Like he was, he flew across country to go up work in Alaska with me. Um, but anyway, so he sent me this thing from the lower 48, wherever he was, I, I forget in the East coast somewhere. And it got up and it was a gift and it was wrote the value is a gift. And they were going to charge me $257 import fees. And so I called him up and I said, what's this thing worth? I said, like, literally it gives a vintage brass reel. And he said, oh, at the tops, he said, in the condition that I put it into, he said, you could buy that for 75 bucks. I said, okay, cool. I said, is it all right if I just send it back? He goes, why? And I said, because they're charging me 250 bucks. And he's like, oh, don't pay that. It's not worth anything near that. And so I rejected it. And because uh, I got the email about it. And then when UPS came to my door, I said, I'm rejecting this shipment. He goes, well, you can't. I said, yeah, I can. I said, this was literally a gift. I have not exchanged any money for this. And you're going to charge me 250 bucks to bring it up. I said, you're trying to steal from me is what you're doing. And he's at my door and I said, I, I refuse this. Send it back. He goes, well, you can't send it back. I said, well, then throw it in the garbage. I don't care. And they sent it back to him. <laughs> and because they couldn't deliver it, he ended up getting a refund. And then he sent it USPS. <laughs> and it cost like, I don't even know if I paid. That was a gift. They didn't pay any import on it. Oh, I don't know what UPS's deal is, but they are a bunch of freaking crooks. There should be black, not brown, like a bunch of ninja bandits. Oh. Anyways, it's just funny. I was just dealing with that this week. I said, please don't send send it UPS. Just USPS. Great. As far as me getting stuff here, they're the best. Um, UPS? Yeah. Yeah, I've I've never had any but one problem with UPS that was caused by UPS, and they fixed it. I've never had anything but problems with FedEx, stuff getting broken, stolen, Mm -hmm. um, whatever. and then I'm, I haven't had any problems with USPS till I moved here, and that's because our rural mail carrier just um, decides he doesn't want to deliver mail one day. <laughs> um, we, we have you that know, problem, it, It'll too. slide, it'll quote, unquote, 
slide under his seat and go missing. Uh, no, that box wouldn't fit under your seat. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. I've used the joke here, but did you hear that FedEx and UPS are merging? Do you know what the company's going to be called? Fed up. Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a fan of USPS, but it is person like it is on the individual user that you have. Like, I think we've got a, a a new Canada Post carrier because our service level has changed. You know the patterns that how often hey, Jeremy you're still there. Yeah, did it break up? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I, I just did a bit. Yeah, what were you saying about FedEx and UPS? Okay, we'll do it again for the audience. Um, did you hear they merged? They're merging. No. Do you know what the, the company name is going to be? No, what is that? Fed Up. <laughs> that was good. Oh, no, you got that one, man. I still don't have... <laughs> I still got to get my Greta Thunberg. Uh, the, I did a podcast with a couple gents last night, and there's a few times I wish I had my Greta. How dare you? Just for kicks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to drop some mild swears in here, okay? Uh, oh, you ever, I don't care. Uh, heard that term, uh, just for shits and giggles? Or is that a Canadian thing? Oh, no. I've heard that my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> like this, I saw this t shirt. It's like, it's all just, uh, what is it? It's all just shits and giggles until someone giggles and shits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody thinks that's funny, but old people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Like, that's embarrassing. I you, try at, be, you try being in my situation. I was at a, a comedy show many years ago with uh, Carrot Top. Oh, yeah. When he was young. So there you go. Uh, was he still Carrot Top? Like, has he always been Carrot Top? Yeah, he's always been Carrot Top. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, the there was a. He, he tried to. Uh, my wife was not laughing at all. My wife has a no sense of humor to ultra dry, right? Yeah. Nothing is funny to her. So, but I'm, I'm slowly bringing her around now, but um, she wasn't laughing and he took that personally. And he's like, oh, what's the matter with you? You suck. <laughs> he could not go. I mean, it got to the point where I thought he was going to cry because... <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't heckle her, right? That's funny. He couldn't make her break. And uh I'm like, dude, just move on. You're 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 drowning here. Come on. That's funny. <laughs> That'd be that would be the toughest job on earth, I think, is being a comedian. It's tough. I, I oh. remember me saying I tried yeah, I did yeah. stand up back in England. Yeah. But uh the best and worst audiences are drunks. Mm. And for the same reason. They're drunk. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I was just lucky enough to be a blue collar comedian, and I was when I tried, I was in front of a bunch of blue collar people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It all depends on the audience, you know. It's got to be a level of relatability. You know, one thing I find, um, 
I think the heart, even harder than just being a comedian, is being a comedian that's not completely grotesque and vulgar. You know, like to find clean humor is hard. You know, you can you can be blue, as they call it, right? You know, disgusting and like oh, off color jokes and oh, so much easier. But if you ever, I always, if you ever, and it's I don't know, I know very few clean comedians that are actually funny. It's weird. Weird. I've heard a few. Um, but you have to make fun of or make jokes about what your audience finds funny mm-hmm. to be successful. Not necessarily what you find funny. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't necessarily like the guy much, um, but the, a comedian, you know, Steve Harvey was talking about this to young, younger folks. Uh, that wanted to get into comedy or were in comedy and were failing, whatever. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, you have to figure out what that audience wants to laugh at, not what you want to laugh at. Yeah. So we're not all uh, Eddie Murphy back in the 80s. We're not yeah. all, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of the funniest comedians ever who's dead um Uh, names today are killing me. But he's the one that came up with the uh, Bebe's Kids that that went on to become a HBO cartoon back in the day. Hmm. Uh, Just funny, funny dude. Hmm. God, what can I think? I, I can never remember his name. And he's my favorite comedian. It's funny. You know, that's the one thing I think people don't Robin do. Harris is his name. Oh, okay. And uh, he has uh, a bit about, uh, and he uses, you know, MF quite a bit, but uh, he does a bit about spare change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I had to stop, you know, put $5 worth of gas in my car because, you know, poor. Guy comes up and says, um, got any spare change? And he goes, what is spare change? <laughs> you know, I got a spare butt whooping. You want that? Yeah, yeah. And, he, you know, it's and it's not quite as funny. Clean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And, and then the, his uh, baby's kids is always funny. And... But you have to understand the context. And he explains it in his uh, bit. But uh, another one is uh, in church. And, you know, the pastor, uh, the piano player was sick or out or whatever. So he got his, um, another guy played a piccolo at church. (laughs) And he was not very good at it. And somebody called the piccolo player an MFer. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and the pastor stopped the service and said, you know, who called my piccolo pair an MFer? And then nobody said anything. He asked it again. Nobody said anything. He said, We ain't going nowhere. 
we, this service ain't going no further. The doors ain't going to open. So somebody tells me, who in the hell called my piccolo player an MF? Yeah. The guy raises his hand. He says, are you the, nope, I'm not the guy. I am not the guy who called your piccolo player an mf I'm not even the guy sitting next to the guy who called, and he went on and on and on. You know, I'm not even the guy sitting next to the guy, sitting next to the guy, sitting next to the guy, sitting next to the GD guy who called your piccolo player an mf What I wanted to know was who called that mf a piccolo player, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, the way he says it, it, I mean, I was, every time I hear it, and that bit is almost 30 years old. Um, it just makes me roll on the floor the way he tells the story. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you have to be a good storyteller to be a good stand-up. Yeah. And I've never been a good storyteller. Oh, yeah. not, I used to be. I'll, I'll change that. I used to be. Mm. But now that I'm trying not to, well, in between then and now, when I was trying not to use as many curse words, when I was trying not to be so blue, I guess, um, I wasn't a very good storyteller. Now, when I'm trying to explain something to Danette or one of our closer friends, uh, not on a recorded, globally available podcast, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm telling a story and I'm using, you know, blue terms and phrases, pretty good storytelling. Hmm. And people are like, well, then you're not a effective communicator. Yeah, I am. Just at a different group of people. Yeah. And when I was getting paid to do it, I was a very good trainer, which is storytelling in a sense. Mm-hmm. So, I was a pretty good public speaker um, in front of a crowd, which is weird. Most people are like, oh, I can speak, just not in front of people. And I'm the exact opposite. I'm better in front of people because you can play off of them. Yeah. And if you're good at turning on a dime, so to speak, verbally, you can tell when people are not following you or glazing over and you, you know. Mm-hmm. If, especially if you're trying to train something dry like safety or the law or whatever. Um, then people are like, ugh. I'd rather have bamboo shoots drive driven under my fingernails and sit through this. Uh, you have to spice it up. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, was I got in trouble one time in a safety. I was briefing sa- something for safety, and it was just something you had to do every year for fire prevention in the workplace, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I put up pictures of burnt dead bodies. <laughs> Yuck. It got the point across, you know, because every one of these were um, office workspaces um, that burnt down due to space heaters, you know, Mm. unsafe space heaters. And here you go. This this could be you. Yeah, that's right. That's crazy. Now, do you want to go home nice and safe to your kids, or do you want to be the number two special at KFC? Yeah, Krispy Kreme. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I always find, um, so some people just say too much when they're public speaking. 
You know what I mean? Like I, I used to have to train people, and it's not public. Spe- I've done public speaking and taking courses and blah blah blah. And then I we go to church every Sunday, so I sit through different. You know, and our our church is a big church, and we've got several pastors. And I've gone to church my entire life, so it's like once a week I watch somebody doing public speaking, and the less you say, the better you are. <laughs> you know, like some preachers will like. They'll, they'll get the point of the sermon across, and it's like, okay, good. I, I get it. Like, I I see that this is one solid wrapped up, you know, kind of bring a few different thoughts together with one singular takeaway. And then they'll expound on that a little bit. And then they'll expound on it again and again and again. It's like, dude, man, you literally preached this sermon five times now just with different stories. I'm, I'm ready to go home. I got the first time, dude. You know, like, give me one thing to think about. I can't handle more than that. Nobody can, like... And, um, <clears throat> so when I was doing like, uh, safety training, you know, there's a lot of, I'd, I'd start doing it and it's, there's a lot of different points in this and that. And then it got to the point where it's kind of like, if something's moving, don't touch it. That that's pretty much it. Cause it's going to rip your finger off. And that's about the most important thing I can tell you. Any other specific questions? Oh, well, there's an emergency stop here. Hit that if something's going bad. Okay. But just don't touch any moving part. If there's a belt, don't touch it. If there's a roller and a bearing, don't touch it. If there's a, a chain and a sprocket, don't touch it. Just leave every guard in place. And if it's moving, don't touch it. That's pretty much what I can teach you about safety, you know? And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I remember used to do it like, no, this is this. And to take this guard off, there's three bolts. And it's like, wow, these people are done. You know, the people I'm talking to aren't ever going to do this work, but yeah, no. I don't know. I Except you, Bob. Bob. You stick your tongue into everything you see that's moving. Yeah, yeah. You know, after I left GNS, um, they put in a very large sortation system in the the entire uh, conveyor system for Southwest Airlines in Phoenix. They put in, and I, I don't know, probably have forty or fifty employees there. Um, and this one guy, we had this. It, we called it a bag diverter. I, I worked in the development of it. I assembled all the prototypes. And so it's basically, if you, if you picture two conveyor lines that are one in front of an, uh, over another, so like a bunk bed, right? And I don't know, maybe 50 inches between the two. Um, and then you've got the top one has a short section of conveyor that articulates. Uh, think of it like, uh, what's that game? Pinball. You've got the two arms. And so you've got this conveyor and these this conveyors that one's up high, one's below. And so you can take the top line and merge it into the bottom line, right? It's just like a one-way thing. So the top line comes down and if it's if it's up, then the top continues to go up. But when this thing comes down halfway, like a 45 degree angle, and then the bottom line has another one, like a pinball paddle, it comes at a 45 degree angle. And all of a sudden they make this little connector. And then so a conveyor uh, baggage can come from the top line and go down to the lower line because depending on where they're going, they get checked in and then barcode reader says, oh, this is a West Coast. So this is going to go to a different carousel altogether. Huge things. And like fast, like split second fast. Like I mean, we're talking like all like heavy, heavy pneumatic cylinders. Hydraulics isn't fast enough, but heavy pneumatics. Oh, we ended up actually uh, switching away from that. We used motors. Uh, So like motors with VFD controls and, and basically a big crank arm. And it just 180 degree cycles, right? And these things are Did crazy, you hear that? man. No, what? Tell me if you hear those. 
Nope. Didn't hear it. I don't hear anything. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Did you fart? No, that was Greta saying, how dare you? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so I don't know why I get this long story, but a guy, this guy, and he was like a hazard to everyone, always doing stuff that he shouldn't be. There's a big gem in in this thing. And instead of doing the proper protocols and stuff, he went to clear it, got it cleared, fell on the conveyor line, and this thing was trying to divert. This thing literally came and squished him to death. Ugh. I don't know why I brought that story into this whole thing. Ooh. Yeah. Imagine like massive ping, like uh, what pinball paddles, like four feet long, made of steel. Probably weigh like 150, 200 pounds a piece. Bam! Right between them. Safety first, kids. That's right. That's crazy. Um, you know, it's weird. I can say this because nobody's going to listen to this. But So where I used to work, my dad's company, and he's, my dad was always never really had a lot to do. Was it when they had That's, the new shop. What's that? What's that? That's horrible, man. What? <laughs> I can say this here because no one's ever. No, these people, the people that work for my dad would never listen to this. They're not practical enough. <laughs> no, like different different types of people altogether. Uh, anyways, so, you know, obviously my dad started the business and hands-on. We, we built the first stuff in our garage in northeast Calgary. But he's been very hands-off with all the, every time he built a new shop and a bigger shop, he's got shop foreman. And my dad just like, you know, hands-off. And... Always, in my opinion, it's a it's not safe because it's not clean. Like it's the kind of place where there'll be an empty pallet, and it's like, okay, we'll just lean it against the wall. It's like, okay, well, why shouldn't we just take that and put it outside? No, no, just leave it against the wall right there. And then it's like, you want to go use a milling machine? Well, now you got to like move two pallets, and you know, there's uh, one of them was totally busted, and there's nails sticking out of it, and it's it's like literally accidents waiting to happen at every single corner, poorly lit. It's just, uh, I hated that shop. Like, it's gross. And um, my one son, uh, Isaiah, wants to do, uh, we have a program here called RAP, and it's where you can get your first year of your millwright ticket in grade 12. And you get credits for grade 12, and then you also get uh, hours for your apprenticeship. It's a really great program. I'm a huge fan of it. And and so he talked to my dad. He said, is there any chance I could do a millwright apprenticeship at GNS? And he's like, yeah, Absolutely. And uh, I'm like, no, I'm not going to let you work there. <laughs> Why not? It's like, it's too dangerous. Like, it's funny because as someone who's gone through a lot of different workplaces, I've worked in a lot of places. Some of them really bad. Some of them really good. Like, I've, I worked at a place that was so terrible. I fell off a shipping container. I fractured my jaw. I had two complete fractures on my right side, one complete fracture on my left side unconscious, you know, I was out for over a minute. And when I woke up, my boss said, ear, if you're in pain, I'll just get you to do some painting. And I'm like, no, I think I got to go to the hospital. And he said, you call me an effing numb nuts. He goes, try and be back before your lunch break's over. And I was like, Joe, I was like, I need you to drive me because I'm not taking you to the hospital. <laughs> so I've worked in that type of a place, like the worst Safety doesn't exist, and if you get injured, then you're just an idiot. And I was. It was totally my fault, right? I mean, it was a, it was a Tuesday after a long weekend, and I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing, so I fell off of a shipping container. But And I've worked in other places where it's like, when I, the last place I worked at Sanjo, 
after every single break, so when we started in the first thing in the morning and then after coffee break, we had to have another safety, uh, it wasn't a safety meeting, just briefing. Ah, I forget what they called it. They had a weird word for it. But so we literally had these like mini safety meetings all throughout the day. And if somebody had a question about, hey, I'd like to, how do you, do you wire up this hydraulic circuit? If I wanted to go into their bay and they actually had their bays of this big, huge warehouse painted on the floor and they use that. Like I could, I couldn't stand two feet away from it without touching and say, just take this hose, put it to here and then plug this port off here. I couldn't do that. If I entered the bay, I had to sign into it and then sign out. And this is a little bit too much the other end, right? And it's, you need to find a balance with safety, but man, I'm always nervous. I'm like, I'm sorry, son. I I care about you. And when you're young, you really rely heavily on the people that have experience to keep you safe because you don't know. You know, you're just kind of stupid. You don't know how things work. You've never had a grinder blow up in your face. And you don't know what causes that. I'm like, well, that's uh, the chop that I <laughs> cut my teeth in. <laughs> I'm lucky I made it out with all my digits. But you're not going to work there because <laughs> it's, it's bad, man. Don't like it. Don't like it. And at the same time, there's the, you know, I'll drill something on on YouTube video without putting it in a clamp and people are like, you're going to cut your fingers off with a helicopter. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank, thanks for pointing that out. This is literally the first hole I've ever drilled in a drill press. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. There's <sighs> probably a little bit of overprotective parent going on there. There could be. There could, little, I mean. Yeah, but also... When I, if I were, I also said right now, it's, it's worse than when I was younger, right? If I were to go get a job there right now, I would literally have my head on a swivel and be like, okay, crap, let's watch out here. I've, so many of my friends that are like my age or older, they, oh, I broke my finger, got my finger cut off in the shear. They have a lot of injuries, a lot. And it's like. Dude, like I've I've worked in a lot of different places, and I I know I don't I don't I, I am an overprotective, not overprotective, but you you're a protective parent, or else you're dumb. But no, it's, I agree. It's a, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah, but it is a worse. It is a more dangerous workplace than I would say. It's the second most dangerous one I've worked in. The first being that janky little repair shop I did in the CN rail yard. But well, I mean, yeah, you don't want to. Hey, if you want to be a millwright, let's do it this way. Mm-hmm. Let's get you into it this way. Don't do it that way because, you know, that's just walking into a meat grinder. Yeah. And, like, things like, so I, I would always say, and I had some good guys working with me on the road. I, I spent more time on the road than I did in the shop. But this is a theory. is that everything I make and fabricate it is a weird thing. But I had a guy teach me. They said, like, you should be able to lick everything with your tongue and not be afraid of it. Because so many people will take an angle grinder, they'll cut a piece of steel, they'll weld it to another piece of steel, and then walk away. And I was like, dude, you left a razor-sharp burr on there for the next maintenance guy who's got a tension this chain. I've, I've seen guys just lacerate their forearms, reaching in, trying to adjust a bolt, and there's a piece of angle iron that somebody cut without deburring. And oh, see, dude. That's, that's safety and that's craftsmanship tied into one thing. And if you're a tight, incredibly gifted craftsman, that also... That, that means that you are guaranteed you are a safe worker as well. You can't have, you can't be a craftsman, a good craftsman, without intelligent safety built into it. Yeah, You're you gonna know, say something? the other weekend I was in, I went to North Carolina, 
Mm-hmm. Well, for the birthday party, I was sitting in a chair beforehand filling up balloons with a helium tank. Mm-hmm. It's all punched steel welded together. The tank? And what happened, what's yeah, on yeah. the other side of punched steel, the bottom? You know, burrs. And it just, mm-hmm. I have a down to the bone cut on my left middle finger. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And, you, and you know, that was just factory produced. That wasn't a craftsman that made that product. Hey, China. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's insane. And so I, I say that, like, I, I remember I did the unboxing of my, uh, one of my grinders that I bought and I said, you know what? I, the one thing, first of all, is kind of like a review unboxing. I said, I appreciate the fact that every single bit of this has been deburred. Like I could lick my entire grinder. And people are like, oh, I never lick my grinder. I was like, yeah, you're missing the point. And I always tell people that. Like, if you're done fabricating anything, unless you're making a knife, okay, that's an exception. But if you're done fabricating something, you should be able to run your hand across every single surface of that and or lick it. And it's like, oh, if I did that, I'd cut myself. Well, then you didn't take the burrs off proper. You left too. Much, you left the welding splatter on. Like that that little thing, little welding splatter, right? That stuff can be sharp. You know, you go to carry this thing and there's some welding splatter on it and it slips out of your hands. Next thing you know, that welding splatter cuts you just because some guy wasn't a craftsman, a true craftsman. Yeah, I had something. uh, I I don't know what it was, just something. And I was looking to buy it. And it's something that you weld together and paint or powder coat, whatever. And it was, they just painted or powder coated right over splatter. Nothing was ground. Nothing was deburred. And I'm like, well, then this whole thing is a piece of junk. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, it's blah, blah. No, it's a piece of junk. Yeah. Why? No attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And if you're not this careful with deburring and welding splatter, spatter, how can I know you use the right wire, the right temp, the right amps? Yeah. You know, got the good penetration. You know, it mm-hmm. calls into question everything you do. When you half ask one thing, hundred mm-hmm. percent that important, you know. Yeah, and I believe that you can do good quality work, deburr everything like like top notch, work safe, and be faster than ninety five percent of the workforce out there. You know, some people are like, "Oh, it takes too long to do." No, 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 no. If you are intelligent about the way you work, if you engage your brain, okay, you know, just engage that brain a little bit. You can do a fantastic job, accurate work, clean work, deburred, uh, finely produced, right? Like the end products, just it's exactly how it should be. Faster than a guy who's just, oh, yeah, I'm just going to quickly weld this up and slap some paint on it and finish my smoke, you know? Right after you finish welding, right after. Instead yeah. of checking Instagram or Twitter while you're waiting for the part to cool down so you can move it, deburr it. Yeah. Take a chisel, take this little sledgehammer, tap it, you know? And then if it's, if it's small parts or one line, you know, whatever, file, you know, kiss mm-hmm. it with a file, whatever. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, old world craftsmanship. That's what I would call that. And it is so, man, nobody has it anymore. Like, what, what do you think the percentage of the workforce ha- still has that? I would say, I actually think Five it's probably one or one, less. Yeah, I was going to say one in 40 people. From my experience, like the people that I've worked with and stuff, it's like most of them are just, hey, man, I'm here for paycheck. Well, When's lunch break again? 
there's a an entertainment industry out there, you know, professional wrestling. And <laughs> yeah. I grew up a pro wrestling fan. Um, mm-hmm. Always knew it was fake. And this is before, you know, they came out and said it's all predetermined. Uh, you just knew. Back when it was and, actually World Wrestling Federation. Yeah. <laughs> just or, entertainment. <laughs> Um, uh, anyway, you know, I, I mean, heck, you grew up a couple miles from the Mecca. Oh yeah. Or one of the Meccas and, uh, in the professional wrestling world, but it sucks now. It does. It, it's horrible. It's gross. It's, um, it's just not what it used to be, right? It's, yeah. They want it to be TV, scripted TV, not pro wrestling. And they have people that, on both sides, wrestlers as well as writers, that don't know anything about the wrestling industry, wrestling and writing wrestling. So it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to a podcast, video podcast about this, and all the old-time experts in this that used to write and produce, they're all dying. So mm-hmm. in another five, ten years, there will be no one left that knew how wrestling used to be done. Mm-hmm. All of those that secret sauce is gone, just like Roman concrete and uh, Egyptian stone cutting. You know, mm-hmm. it's all dying out. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get the Roman concrete thing, people, it's worth a Google. Hmm. Never heard of that. Oh, no, the concrete the Romans used to use uh, when they built things. Yeah. Still around. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Some of the roads, the surface of their road is, you know, eroded over time, obviously, because they used brick for a lot of it. But the bedding they used for the roads it's still as pristine as it was then hmm. we can't do that today you know that's crazy yeah so anyway interesting yeah and that, that concrete recipe there they've been trying to figure that out for years hmm. there's one of the domes on a building that's a mono, it was a monolithic pour. One, they don't know how it was done. And two, we couldn't engineer concrete to do that today. Hmm. And that was, you know, 2,000 years ago, and it's still standing, not cracked. That's crazy. And they're like, ow. Yeah. Well, you know, when you have an unlimited supply of slaves, you could probably do that pour on the ground. Yeah. And then lift it. Lift it, yeah. Because, again, unlimited supply. Yeah. That's crazy. And it's too bad. Like, uh, I, I think it's called, why, like, it's good this, we'll use the term maker movement, which is always, it's weird. I don't really like it. I think of it more as um, just a skilled craftsman movement. But it's it's good. It's coming back. I don't know. Uh, I, I, the way that it's coming back and how it's coming back, I don't know if it's how much effect it's going to have on preserving that old world craftsmanship knowledge. Well, since most of them are makers and not skilled craftsmen, my yeah. opinion, 
probably not going to be very good at it at all. Yeah. It's an interest in the subject matter, but uh, craftsmanship is an interest in the process and the deep, deep learning. Like I remember when I went to trade school, we, we learned how to pour Babbitt bearings and I don't think they do that anymore. And then at the same time, as my career as a millwright, I have never seen a piece of equipment that requires Babbitt bearings, right? Like it's, I know if I'm restoring a vintage power hammer, I might come across that for sure. Or if I'm well, working in the any, line shaft factory. Yeah, if you're going to restore almost anything that was pre-World War II, you have a good chance of running into Babbitt bearings. Yeah. And I've got, I got Babbitt bearing scrapers like in my toolbox. And I'm like, ah, oh, I love these tools. You know, they look like the, like a duck bill that's kind of curved up and they're nice, good quality tool steel and they're sharpened. And I'm like, I love this thing. I've never, ever used it and I never, ever will. So I kind of understand that. But then there was also the mindset that came with doing that stuff and that like I need to think about, okay, how do I need to shim it and how am I going to contain it? And then this and that you get into the nuances and even we used to learn about lubrication, the different types of lubrication, you know, dynamic lubrication, static, elastodynamic lubrication. Like they, they don't learn that anymore. Like there's a point where you have a rotating shaft and that shaft will actually pick up and pull oil up onto it, you know, and we learned all the nuances and the physics behind that. And I'm like, oh man, that's some good stuff. I don't know if they teach that anymore. They probably don't because... I don't know. In a way, it's useless information. At, at the same time, it forces me to work differently somehow. Even though uh, there's no, like I don't use that information technically. It's not like I'm, oh, okay, something really practical, like 90 degrees, right? Okay, 90 degrees, cool. That's a right angle. That's a very practical piece of knowledge. Um, the different types of uh, way lubrication works might not be, but I don't know. I don't know. It's such it's kind of a hard thing to explain. Well, uh, one of the problems I see is there's an attitude today. Oh, I've been doing this five years. I'm an expert. <laughs> no, you're not. Totally. And, totally. And you know what a blacksmith didn't do back in the day? What's that? Anything else. Yeah. He was a blacksmith. 10, 12. 16 hours a day. Mm -hmm. He didn't cook. He didn't do carpentry. He wasn't a carver. He was a blacksmith. Wasn't a YouTuber. And after about 35, 40 years, he was an expert at it. Yeah, 100%. If you're a, if you're doing, if you're a maker, don't, don't and you're doing, that oh, I'm going to cook, or I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and you're doing videos, on 10 different kinds of making, you're not an expert on any of it, and you're probably not even up to the level of half-ass mm -hmm. in a lot of it. And some of the stuff I see being made makes me vomit in my mouth. Mm -hmm. um, as far as, you know, quality of construction, um, how long it'll last, you know, yeah, whatever. And yeah. I'm all for... Hey, let's make a chair in three different ways using three different methods, mm -hmm. right? To see which one is better, faster, more economical, whatever. 
Because yeah. economical is not going to be the best in yeah. almost any category. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And uh, oh, I need a, a widget, right? Now, what is better for the widget? And this is for something that's going to see use and friction. Oh, I'm just going to 3D print it. Because if it breaks, I'll just 3D print it, 3D print another one. Or getting a manual machinist to remake that part to spec. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm, just, <clears throat> I'm really sick and tired of seeing people do the, oh, I'm just going to 3D print that. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to 3D print it in brass or bronze? Yeah. Well, you can't do that. Well, you can, but I don't. You know, I don't have a million dollars. Well, then don't do what you're fixing to do. Yeah. Because unless you're making like a, I just want to beat my head against the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of I like 3D printing technology, but I love uh, it. And it. Yeah. Can, but I haven't like pursued. I want it. a 3D printer so I can do a uh, uh, a couple of. Uh, What's the word, Jeremy? The f- I'm going to build something to see if the concept works. Oh, proof of concept. Prototype. A prototype. I want to yeah. 3D print a prototype for a roadcaster uh, holder. Yeah, yeah. A stand for the top of my desk that will hold the roadcaster and a couple other things. Yeah. You know, because I I want this thing tilted up a little. I built Actually, one for a mine. lot, but... I got mine at like a full forty-five degree angle. Yeah, I, I, that's how I want mine. Yeah, it's handy, man. Buttons yeah. are easier to get to. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know for something like that, right? It'd be cool, but yeah, for prototyping, it'd be great. Or if you're going to print like a, a iPhone holder, you know, whatever that has a your label on it, you know, your whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but. Or little really? things like like people do like uh, cord management hooks or something, right? So, you know, if you want to very neatly string, say this this cord coming off my microphone, you know, with a three D printer, you could print these little tiny hooks that are just specced, you know, so it's coming around a little bit more than one hundred eighty degrees of circumference. So you could just push it in there and then it stays, you know, and, and stuff like that is great. People will make. Like you say, pencil holders or something like that. But when people start, like, I don't know, like even to me, making a GoPro holder, unless you got some really good filament or whatever you're using or uh, whatever, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I want to trust it to a 3D printed part, you know, especially it's not hard. When I think about manually machining a GoPro mount, that's not that complicated. You just got a few different axes that you're working with and you can take it out, clamp it, boom, you know, I don't know. And it's different because then you lose the, uh, it's a different thought process to think subtractively, right? Like 3D printing is all additive. Machining is all subtractive. And it's like, okay, well, if you're going to make this, and what cuts are you going to make first? Okay, well, if you did that cut, then you actually don't have any way to clamp it for this part. So maybe do this process first, you know, whereas 3D printing, it's just, I'll start at the bottom and just fill it up. It's a totally different uh, way to wrap your head around uh, producing an object. Yeah, I, I've seen so much, uh, so many things in the scrap heap because people didn't understand 
you know, order of operations. Yeah. And then if you're a welder, you just yeah, <laughs> weld it back up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, my well, God. I can't stand that. Um, what's that? I saw, you know, one of the big YouTube uh, machinists just make a horrific error. And then they just welded it back up. Hmm. <laughs> Why? All right. I understand in concept that two pieces of metal welded together are as strong as the metal before. If you do it all right, yeah. You know, if it's the right metal and using the right welding process, using the right welding filler metal, and it's in a, you know, controlled atmosphere, maybe, possibly, most likely, going to be as strong as it used to be. Yeah. And then you don't tell the customer what you did. Mm. Oh, hmm. see. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I just you know, and it was yeah. a pretty blatant uh mistake on yeah. a critical part. Hmm. And, you know, it if you have something that's multidimensional, all the dimensions are critical, and then you start welding on that thing, it's going to tweak it. Mhm. You're going to somehow for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, metal and heat and cold, you know, that it moves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's times like I, sometimes I find that I need to think about welding more. Uh, like one little project, a little personal project. I got this old Raleigh 20, it's a little folding bicycle. You've seen pictures of it and you agree with my yes, kids. Yes, I have. It's, it's a dork bike, right? Yes, and it, it is. <laughs> and to get this to fit me. I need to extend things on it, like the handlebar stem riser, because I'm taller than the average person and the seat. But, you know, you can't buy handlebar stems any longer. You just can't. So well, you're I just like... saying you look down on everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, shoot. And so I, I was always thinking I need to find a piece of steel that's this long already, and then I could cut it down or do whatever. And it's like, no, I don't, actually. Like, I could take this existing piece cut it in half, drill holes in it, make a plug to go in between those, weld those together, then turn that whole thing down. Because it also has to be very accurate outside diameter. And all of these different bike parts, like bike stems, it's not stock steel. It's not stuff you just go buy off the shelf. And I'm like, oh, so I could, I, and I always think machining, like I need to buy this thing and then turn it down. It's like, I could just fill it in there, you know, drill some holes, plug weld it, weld the actual joints themselves, machine those down. And so now I've used all those different processes, you know, um, like subtractive and then, or additive, like add in the piece, add in the weld, and then machine it down, subtract after that, you know. Um, when you think like that, like it opens up a lot of things, but I, I agree. It's like if you break something and it's an important piece, you shouldn't just well necessarily weld it back together. But and I mean, no, it, there are things that you can do. If you're, you know, if it's a, it depends on the thing. This specific instance was, I'm doing a customer job, remaking a critical part for a critical machine. All the dimensions are critical. And instead of milling, you know, 20 thousandths off, you did 200 thousandths. And now you got, oh, oops, oops. <laughs> Build it up. 
oops, I guess I have to build it back, build it back up, because I'm not spending my money. Dude, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I agreed to do this. Customer job for a subscriber. Long-time subscriber, supporter of the channel. I'm going to completely F it up and then refuse to spend my money on camera, in the video, right? I'm just mm-hmm. hoping that guy unsubscribed. Yeah. Do you know that's, do you know that's cool? That And this is one thing and I know. Even my wife has commented on this guy's videos that, man, he just, it's horrible to, you know, to some degree. Yeah. I can't believe anybody who watches his videos pays him to do a job. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, that spray welding that A-bomb does is pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, it's almost funny you bring A-bomb up. Why is that? Was it him? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. We call him, um, we don't call him A-bomb anymore. What do you call him, F-bomb? No, half-ass. <laughs> Half-ass. That's funny. Um, Adam, so you if you're listening to this, it's all in good. It's all in good fun. In jest, yes. It really is. Don't don't take it personally. Or take it personally. I'm nobody. <laughs> um, I just wanted a little. More thing. importantly, I'm not a paying customer. That's right. <laughs> um, so it never will be. Uh, my uh, sister-in-law, she she was like. We're, we're doing something and they're talking about something not done well. And the kids were all around, right? Like all the cousins and stuff. They're like, oh yeah, they just, they did a half-assed job. And we're like, you talk like that? Like little tiny kids. She goes, well, it's not bad. And she's like, what do you mean? She goes, half. So she thought it meant half-assed, how fast as you can. So if somebody half-assed it, it just meant half-assed they can do it. And she thought it was a shortened down. So she used to walk no. her whole life like, yeah, it's just a half-assed job. <laughs> it's like half-assed as they can. And it's like, okay, clean your room. Do half-assed as you can. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know it meant like half-assed. <laughs> like, yeah, that's actually what it means. Oh, <laughs> funny. Every time you hear half-assed, I think half-assed as you can. <laughs> mm-hmm. Instead of explaining it, you should have just kept, you know, That's telling her, wow, you're a half-assed thinker. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, good times. So we're gearing up for the old uh, the Christmas rush. Ooh. You know what I heard? And I don't know. You know I never know what to believe anymore, but... um. So, you know how there's often, like, the hot present, you know, whether it's, like, Beanie Babies one year yeah. or... So, people are saying, it used to be, like, even into December, you know, you could still get into a fist fight with a mom on December 15th and win and, and buy that for your kid. They're saying that, like, all the hot stuff for Christmas is going to not be available. Even, like, by mid-November, it's going to be gone. And I've heard, like, the different things and different ports... Uh, people say like this year is going to be a crazy year for handmade gifts because people aren't going to be able to buy other things because of shipping complications due to the pandemic. And we were wondering, 
like Seth's like, so when the pandemic started, it's great for us because you weren't allowed to go shopping. And so like, fine, I'll just order presents online. And we thought, oh, wow, this is crazy. And, you know, we thought, okay, well, you know what? We're not going to have a very busy year. It's like, it's going to be slow. And I was really excited. I'm like, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I know it's going to be busier than the rest of the year because it, it is. But if we only had to work eight or 10 hours a day, what a, man, that'd be such a nice treat, you know? And I don't know, it's it's starting out busier than it was last year. And oh, my word. And apparently, from what people are saying, it's going to be a gong show. But supply chain, you know, I went to buy PVC pipe. So we've got a, a septic mound. The, the the way they rewrote the laws, we, we're not allowed to do a septic field in ground. We actually have to bring in dirt. And so I've got this mound, and it's 160 feet long. It's about 4 feet high and 10 feet wide. It cost me like $47,000 in earth moving to build this stupid thing just so I could put my poop somewhere. Anyways, it's got these vent caps that come out of it, and they're PVC pipe. <laughs> and we kind of let the grass on it get a little too long and the boys were mowing it and they mowed right over these PVC pipes and broke them all. And, um, so I need to dig down a little bit and then put a, a union on there, a little sleeve and build them back up. Cause right now I can't get a cap on them. And then if it, you know, if it's minus 37 for a week or two, I could end up freezing that system. And then all of a sudden we got real problems in Strathmore. Nobody has PVC pipe and they don't know when it's coming in. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yep, yeah, we've been out of it for a long time. Four-inch PVC pipe. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't have any. Wow. So we're resorted to, we found somebody in, in Southeast Calgary that's got a, a little piece that's 42 inches for free. They just want somebody to take it away. <laughs> I'm like, that's all I need. I literally need a two feet of this stuff. I'm going to stick it up a little higher so that they see it and we'll never drive over it with a lawnmower. But it's crazy, hey, with the supply chain things going on. It's like I literally can't buy sewer pipe. And that yeah, stuff's I'm, made in Canada. I'm confused about some some of the yeah. supply chain stuff. But the pipe might be made in Canada, but are the material. That's true, yeah. Do they, you know. Yeah, that's does, true. Um, there's a U.S. company that makes stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they make clothing, and uh, they've stopped. Uh, and they've almost, their businesses teetering on collapse right yeah right now i think they're surviving on like gofundme donations oh wow and it's because the cotton the polyester and the you know the material for the clothing that they make in the u.s does not originate in the u.s because uh, we don't make our own stuff Mm -hmm. yeah literally thought about that i know a i was talking to a cotton farmer when I was in North Carolina, they send their, they, they grow the cotton, they sell it. The buyer ships it offshore to have the material made to ship back to the U S <laughs> what? Yeah. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And Especially I, I never... since I grew up in a cotton producing area and the town was built around cotton mills where they took the raw cotton and made thread and fabric. So, mm-hmm. I'm just, it confuses me that we let all that go. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of Origin? Who? Origin. It used to be called Origin Maine, but now it's Origin USA. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're kind of cool guys. I listened to a podcast with the founder of them, and um, his goal, his main dream is to bring back American manufacturing. And 
So all their clothing, he like uh, Jocko Willink is involved with them. Uh, but 100% of what they sell is made and sourced in America. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like their leather that they make boots with, the rubber on the soles, 100% sourced in America. And I was like, that's actually, you know, yes, people have kind of wanted to go towards that before the pandemic. But you know what? That could end up being like just a massive, um, what do you call it? Like a one, a huge advantage, right? Uh, in, in their industry. Because of all of a sudden it's like, yeah, no, we've actually put these systems in place. We know where to get our leather from that's in the United States. And you can do whatever you want, you know, just driving across state lines, you know. Uh, that's not going to be impacted by any whatever's going on outside of the country, you know? And I'm like, that could be their huge advantage, you know, like a stranglehold on their industry. I mean, obviously they're limited in, uh, for their people. They're not a massive company, I think like 200, 250 people or something like that, but that's kind of cool. Even knife steels right now are harder to get because, you know, we don't make those here. And yeah, I never thought about that. Like that PVC pipe made in Canada, extruded in Canada, you know? Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I cool. texted you a present. What's that? Oh. An audio file. I can't listen to that right now. Yeah. <laughs> You'll like it. Oh. <laughs> what it did? Oh, yes. <laughs> Here, I gotta turn my volume up. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. <laughs> I gotta do it again. Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. How dare you? <laughs> she sounds like she's crying. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be my ringtone, actually. Too. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I like that. Thanks, Todd. That's a good, that's a nice You're early welcome. Christmas present. I appreciate that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna put that on a sound pad as soon as we're done. <laughs> now, you're starting to build up, and I know that people want to order earlier because, uh, you know, the shipping delays that everybody wants to talk about. Uh, and it's better to order early so you know you have it for Christmas. Uh, especially if I'm ordering from you to ship to somebody else because I'm too dumb to put in their <laughs> shipping address. Anyway, um, have you guys decided whether or not you're going to start uh, like you did earlier this year, every day, um, turning off orders after a certain amount? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely are going to do that. And... Uh, Physically, it's. I was so I was so looking forward to it. Um, like I had it was the last week I had my first night of the season staining after supper. So it's like I, I work on the garage and I was doing nice stuff, and then it's like there's a bunch of like thirty signs need to be stained. So it's like okay, I'll go do that. And I'm like, oh, I I don't like this because when we're busy, it's it's like I start work at six six or seven, uh, you know, work 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 work, and then have supper, and then. Sometimes I work till 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And it's just like, oh, man. You know, little things in here and there. Got to take the kids to their lessons. So it's like go to piano lessons or whatever and bring them back, tuck them in, say goodnight, you know. And I was like, this is going to be nice not to have that. But I, I think it's going to. And at the same time, it's like, man, 
if you're willing to pay me well to do something, I'm going to do it because uh, we live in an uncertain world, right? Uh, I don't love money. I really don't. I love freedom. And money gives you certain types of freedom. You yes, know? it does. Like, it's not the end-all, be-all. I, I, I could care less. Like, it's not like, oh, look at my bank account. Look what I dropped. Don't give a crap about that. But rather, like... Oh, you want to go skiing on a Tuesday? Go ahead. Do that. You know, you you like bicycles? You, you just want to buy another bicycle because you're obsessed with this object? Go ahead. Get yourself another bicycle, you know? Um, yeah, somebody told me yesterday, oh, you know, I, the goal is supposed to be that you, <clears throat> you're retired more years than you worked. I went, no, that's not the goal. <laughs> yeah. The goal is to re- be able to retire whenever you want. And to be able to do the things you want after you retire. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's the goal. Or even, but, yeah. And you know, it's weird because we don't even do that. Like, I, the way that we work, and the one thing, this is dependent on Etsy working. And Etsy could go away tomorrow, right? Uh, but, like, literally, we could just not work in between rushes. You know, like, you got your Christmas Day rush and a Mother's Day rush. Those two things would keep us going all year long don't have to do anymore right um but the one thing is it's okay so if it's regular like a little bit more steady in the in the interim then it's like okay so now we can if we just did that you know there's a certain sense where you could work half the year you'd have to keep a tight watch on your on your pocketbook right like okay we gotta pay our expenses do this and there's no no we're not gonna do a nice vacation here or we're not gonna you know you can't buy that bike so there's a certain sense, like, work hard so you can enjoy life and, and even get stuff stockpiled. Like, I don't know, like, prepper, not prepper, but it's like, I love it when we go and it's like, you know what, let's go ahead and just buy. Like, let's just go drop a thousand bucks on canned goods, uh, you know, pastas, rice. And let's let's just get, like, we've got an entire room in our basement that's got food storage. And it feels good, right? I enjoy that, you know, when the whole pandemic started, and the shelves were empty. I went down to ours. Our shelves were full, you know, and it's like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm sure they're going to get restocked here soon. I'm sure the trucks are going to start running again, but we're probably good for six months, you know, and it, I, I like that. And the thing is, you don't get that by just saying like, oh, I only have to work six months a year. I'm just going to only work six months a year. Right. And it's like, we got this time where we could just make hay, make hay while the sun shines. And Christmas is like the, the land of eternal sunshine. You know, it's like we're up in the Arctic in summertime. But um, it's nice to be able to enjoy yourself too, you know? It's like after this rush is done, we take off pretty much like from, I don't know, December 20th to the end of the year. Not, not going into work. Don't don't need to go into work. Like, let's just chill. And I'm, I do stuff. I'll make knives. I'll keep busy. It's not like I sit around and watch TV because that drives me nuts, you know? But we will chill, you know? Um. But you get that freedom by working hard. And I, I sense a lot of people these days have this thing that's like, you know what? I remember people talking like in Italy, they only work 30 hours a week. We should really do that. And it's like, I don't know. And like, why would you work more time than you don't work? Like, that's so stupid. We were put here just to work. And I'm like, I kind of think we were to, to an extent because, and I don't care what anybody says, I truly believe this, that, that most men get their sense of satisfaction from what they do 
And I know if I work hard, I, I feel better about myself when I work hard. And if I do a good job, I look back and say, hmm, me, there's a certain sense of who I am is wrapped up in that. And I do it really well. It's like, yes, I, man, I'm pretty damn proud of myself, you know? So you do a, you know, you do a crappy job and it's like, I, I don't get that about people who can, I guess, get back to this craftsmanship. How, how can people just do stuff and be like, that's good enough, slap her together. I don't know, man. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I like to go to bed every night and I can look myself in the face and say, you did a good job today, Jer. You know, you actually, you worked hard and the things you made were done properly. To the best that you can do them, you did them. And that to me well, is like, that's who I am. Yeah. I know. I agree a hundred percent. And you know, I don't want anybody to take what I'm about to say the wrong way because the only way to take it is how I'm going to say it because it's me. Yeah, I grew up poorer than anybody I've ever met and talked to. I know that there are people who grew up more poor than I did, but I haven't met them and I haven't talked to them. You know, try in America, you know, in a city – you know, being a kid in the 80s or 70s and 80s, 70s, um, and you only eat a meal on Sunday, hmm. you know. Um, and here I am uh, creeping up on my 54th birthday. I don't have to work ag- again a day in my life mm-hmm. if I don't want to. I want to, but I don't have to. Yeah. And my wife and I were talking about this truck, you know, how am I going to buy it? You know, do I need to trade something in? You know, I was looking at financing to see what kind of interest rate I want, you know, that's possible to get, you know, all this. And my wife was like, wouldn't it be cool just to go in and write a check for the, because you can, Mm -hmm. you have the money. And I'm like, yeah, that'd make you feel like a big shot, wouldn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're just talking in jest, but to be able to go in and buy an eighty-some thousand-dollar truck with your money, mm-hmm. and you just at funny. one time, not yeah. over seven years or six years or five, whatever. Yeah, and you know what? Here's here's my sense. I have a very old school picture on things. That oh. means that you actually are one of the few people on earth that can afford that truck. Because everybody looks at the payments and says, oh, I can afford that payment. I can afford that truck. No, you can't. If you, this is the fact of the matter. And and I know like I've always lived like this, but if you can't buy it outright with your own money and not have a significant impact, then you can't afford it. Now a yeah, house is I house feel that way different. about everything but a house and land. Yeah. Because they appreciate in value. Everything else yeah. is depreciating yeah. it. You know, and it, it, some people are like, oh, my truck's a depreciating asset. It's not an asset. It's a depreciating liability, you retard. It's a yeah, liability. It's a it debt. Outright, you know? It's a debt note. <laughs> That's a liability. Yeah. And so people and, are like, oh, I can, af- I can afford to buy a truck every two years. Do uh, you do payments or you, you buy cash every two years? That's awesome. Good for you. Well, no, no, I can never pay cash for this. Well, then you actually can't afford it. Like, don't, don't kid yourself. Don't be a full-on retard. You cannot afford it if you can't buy cash. End of story. Full stop fact you know yeah. people are silly and since 2009 everything every vehicle that we bought we didn't we didn't pay cash for it but we didn't wait to pay it off based on the you know payment book coupons mm-hmm. um, I think I paid the my Toyota Tacoma off in 
24 months. Mm-hmm. And we paid her car off in 18 months, mine off in two years. Uh, the Sequoia, now that was another thing. I think I, I, I think I used my, you know, that go in and feel like a big shot when I bought that truck. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, cause you walk in, you know, what kind of down payment, what, what can you put down? You know, can you afford 2,500? I don't know. 30,000. How does that sound? Mm-hmm. Like what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What are you a drug dealer? No, I'm what do you call a saver? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. I've worked really hard my whole life and I've saved. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. You know, because even if I was going to finance the remainder of that, I wanted a truck that was worth more than I owed on it. Yeah. And by putting 30 grand down, it was. And then I paid it off the remainder of it in 12 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. And now Toyota has sent me, because I paid off two or three really early, and they're like, we like you. Mm-hmm. We'd like to give you, you know, the opportunity for, you know, like um, not backdoor deals, but secret yeah, deals it, kind yeah, of thing. exclusive offer type of deal. Yeah, exclusive. That's actually an exclusive offer. You know, like, um, oh, I don't know, 0% financing on anything I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things like that, just because they want me to buy another Toyota because they know I'll buy it. Yeah. You know? Do you like they that? They won't wind up having to repo it. Yeah. Do you like the Tundra, the Toyota Tundra? That's actually what Danette wants. So my dad bought one. He's got, what's that? And I love them, yeah. but for the towing capacity. Well, it depends. It's like, so my dad's got one, the 1794 edition. That's what Danette wants. Dude, that is a... Have you been inside of one? Yeah. A tester one. I can't believe how huge they are. I'm like, holy crap, this is like a boardroom in here. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have a Tundra. Yeah. Would love it. If if they had, you know, the towing capacity I wanted, that's yeah. what I'd buy. Because mm-hmm. I've had nothing but good luck with Toyotas. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say I'm a, oh, I'm a Toyota guy because I've had Kia, I've had Ford, I've had Chevrolet or GMC. Mm-hmm. Um, but Toyota and GM. Yeah. Oh, I don't have this queued up. Um, how dare you? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I, I'm not a badge guy. I'm a, what works for me for what I need that vehicle for. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, the 2009, Toyota Tacoma I have. I still have less than 100,000 miles on it. I've never had a not one iota of problem that wasn't caused by normal wear and tear mm-hmm. or my driving style. Like, I think my uh, rotors are warped again. You know, <laughs> my driving style. Yeah. You know, so. And I've had to, I've had them turned once, so this time they'll have to be replaced. No big deal. I think I'm gonna upgrade the TRD brakes on it, but um, that's all you know, normal wear and tear stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love that vehicle. It, in fact, I'm about to take it into a reputable body shop and have some rust repaired on it, so I can have it another, you know, 
20, 30, because that's going to be with me till I die. Mm. It's yeah. so reliable. And the only thing I don't like about it right now is the tires I have on it have a 70 mile per hour speed rating. Mm. But I can go anywhere in that truck. Mm. Snow, ice, water, sand, rock, doesn't matter. Yep. So I deal with it. You know, we yeah. have the Sequoia if I want to do, you know, 90 on the highway. Mock chicken, yeah. Not that I would do that, people. Yeah, no. Safety you know, first, guys. Theoretically. Come on. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. Right on. But anyway, um, yeah, Danette wants that uh, 1796 or whatever it is. Yeah, it's pretty cool. My dad's got one. It's got like orange. It's kind of like an orange, not orange, bright orange, but a dark Almost maybe orange rust interior. Yep. It's it's pretty cool. I'd uh I'd go haul a man lift to my dad owns uh some bank one of the buildings he owns is actually a the bank rents it from him, leases it from him. And they had some water damage and he had to look after it and I don't know what the deal is. Anyways, I had to drive a man lift there and so I hauled a big trailer and it, it towed it just fine. But the first thing my dad did is he got rid of the exhaust and put on some louder exhaust on his truck it's 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 not obnoxious like not like teenager loud but it's a little just a little bit deeper and a little bit more rumbly just a, mm, when he fires yeah, it like up like, oh, yeah nice, yeah yeah nice growl to it just <laughs> it sounds good it's a cool truck my gmc pickup i had in missouri and then moved to dc and had to get rid of it because it was just too big for dc it was a four-door eight-foot bed so. yeah uh, but <laughs> it had a I'd, it had a the GM version of a Borla exhaust. They're yeah. actually made by Borla, or huh. were at the time. I don't think they are anymore. Oh man, that sounded good. Yeah, it's funny because when I worked in Baltimore, uh, you know that whole area, I had the same thing: the full crew cab, and an eight foot box, and a dually. It was a dually. <laughs> it was a four fifty four in there. And try driving that downtown Baltimore. Man, people got mad at me. There was a certain lanes where my my tires were on outside i couldn't be in the lane we'd like go like downtown to like uh barnes and noble and stuff try finding parking good luck (laughs) funny just park across five spots oh i uh i went someplace in dc um some it, it doesn't matter but it was for work and i had to parallel park and there were people in the truck with me. Two of them were born and raised in D.C., and one was not, but had been there for years and years. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, my God, you're never going to get this ginormous thing. And by the time they quit saying how I couldn't do it, I was already there. Yep. Back like, in. How in the world <laughs> did you do that? It's parallel parking. It ain't that yeah. hard. Yeah. Then I figured out I'm a rarity when it comes to parallel parking. Huh. Have to be because now they have cars that do it themselves because yeah. people suck at it so bad. Yeah, I'm like, how we had to learn this or we couldn't get our driver's license. Yeah, yeah. Oh my. Oh, they don't are, do that anymore. What? Well, we do. We still have to. My son's good at it, like really good. And there can be people around. We were parking at a garage. Well, I wasn't there, but he, he was driving and my wife was with him, and they're pulling up in front of this garage sale to see what was in there. And there's a bunch of people, people we knew. And he just went like this, signaled, boop, backed her in there and tight. And when he got out, people were like, how did you learn to parallel park like that? He was like, I just do it, you know. I think some people are naturally good at that spatial uh, 
spatial awareness and, and stuff. You know, some people, like, they'll be backing their car out in a parking lot, and they've got 10 feet behind them, and they'll stop and then go forward again and then back. It's like, dude, you can't look in your mirror or even just, like, turn around and engage roughly how far your bumper is. It's not hard. Like, oh, no. I, I'm probably Let's good go within six one inches. step worse. People that don't know where their front bumper is. Yeah. Yes, your car, isn't it? Yeah. How long you've had it? Oh, 11 years. And you still don't know where that bumper is? Yeah. You're a moron. Yeah. And they, they kind of sit, they strain their necks up real high and they turn. It's like, you got three feet and they stop. It's like, nope, got to back up. It's like, you literally, you, you could have taken that at 30 kilometers an hour and not hit that car. Didn't need yeah, to stop. <laughs> my, my wife had a problem with figuring out where the bumper is, but it was on vehicles she didn't drive very much, like mine or larger <laughs> vehicles. And I'm like, Here's the rule of thumb. Pull up until you think you hit it and you got about three feet left. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from her point of view, not mine. Yeah. I said, yeah. if I pull up till I think I hit it, I normally have less than a foot. Yeah. So. That's funny. Yeah. And new vehicles. like So we got this new uh, SUV thingy. Um, and man, like with, with our van, uh, tight, man. Like I could pull in there, I could back out this and that. And just getting used to it because it's a longer front end than a minivan. I'm, I'm always so like, crap, I don't know where it is. I don't know where I'm at. It takes takes a couple months of yeah. me driving it to get good at it. You're familiar with the vehicle, you know? Oh, no, I get that. It, but it's people who own it for years. Yeah, 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 totally. Like my Civic, man, I could, pff, you you show me where you want it. I'll put her there, <laughs> you know? But the Give problem me. is the, the people who can't figure out what her front bumper is, are the same people that door ding you. Yeah, 100%. Wait a minute. Ha, I, I, never mind. I, I'll i never be able to figure it out. Yeah. I can't figure out those half-fast people. Yeah. Really, here's one. This So my, my parents, uh, they had a Saab uh, 9.3. It's cool. We bought it in Vegas. I was with them when they bought it in Las Vegas. Fun little car. A little, little pep to it. And uh, one of my cousins was a missionary in China. And she come back, and she needed a vehicle. So my parents, they didn't drive it much. Uh, it was terrible in the winter time, even with winter tires. Was, so they just kind of had this car, and it was kind of like a summer car they took sometimes. Um, and if they're going to BC or something, they'd, they'd mile out this car. So I said, okay, why don't you just borrow our Saab? And this thing had like 60,000 miles on it. Really a nice car. I like the Saab. Um, anyways, she went to go get, she was at a grocery store. And she backed up and hit somebody, um, a lamp post she hit. And um, the damage that she did, like she folded the trunk in half. The re- like the airbags all went off. <laughs> the bumper, like frame damage, like it was a write-off. I'm like, how on earth could you back out of your car stall at a shopping center, run into a light post so bad that it, hit the airbags off, you know, and the car was a complete write-off. And then I ended up getting, my parents said, you can just have it if you want it. Um, uh, so I don't know, they, they just said, take it to the scrapyard. So I got it and I was going to fix it up because uh, it went pretty good. It was just a little four-cylinder, it was a smaller, I don't know what it was for sure. It might've been a two liter, maybe even smaller, but with the turbo, uh, it actually it went pretty good. And the handling was phenomenal. It had really nice low profile wheels, like the actual two piece rims where they're actually bolted you know it was a it's a pretty cool car but i didn't fix it up i was just gonna spray paint it all flat black and kind of do you know smash it back in and just use it for commuting but i ended up trading it for a snowblower <laughs> but 
Oh, shoot. Yeah, I, we probably should shut this down because my kids are trying to do school right now. Uh-oh. Our internet is so bad sometimes, man. It's insane. Like, we got cut off at the end last time. And, like, my kids are trying to do their online stuff. And all of a sudden, just cut cut out. And, it's, oh, it's such a headache. Every day, we're like, we used to have good internet, but I think they sold too much of this product. So, they've they've maxed out their resources. I don't yep. know what it is, but I should probably uh, probably shut this down so that they can have all the internet they need. But that's a good podcast. Thanks, Todd. No, thank you, man. I love this. Yeah, me too. And we thank you all for listening to us yamber on. It's good. I like I like our podcast. I like listen. I always do that, and then like I edit it, upload it, and then I listen to it. Usually Friday afternoons while I'm working, I'm like this is pretty good stuff. <laughs> it's funny. It is, I, and you know I don't listen to many podcasts anymore because I like this one so much better. Yeah, that's and right. we're podcast and, and snobs. The ones I like listening to, they've kind of really slowed down mm. during the pandemic. They yeah. couldn't get together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a couple of the players don't like doing it remotely. Yeah, because they need that interaction. Yeah, yeah, and. A couple of the other ones I used to listen to, you start picking up that there's a strained relationship there, or they don't really want to talk to one another. That's funny. Or they spend the whole podcast promoting this other thing they do. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's fine, you know, but not the whole podcast. Yeah. And that's what a lot of them, oh, you know, this is what I got, and you need to come watch this thing, and, you know, what have you got? And they just spend the whole time, um, cross-promoting for an hour really Mm -hmm. yeah not here not here yeah i got squat to promote so there you go that's right right on all right folks we'll uh catch you next week should be have another episode coming out and we thank you for listening thank you so much people